Ask the podcast coach for October 7th, 2023. Let's get ready to podcast. And then we dance. Just a little. It is Saturday. That music means it's time for Ask the Podcast Coach, where you get your podcast questions answered live. I'm Dave Jackson from the School of Podcasting.com, and, and joining me right over there, he, he, he jumped through many a hoop to be here, and we appreciate it. From RedHatMedia.io, he is, uh, he's, I call him the king, well, he's, he's one of the kings of ChatGBT. Every time I, uh, every time I'm around this guy, I'm like, I didn't know ChatGBT. GP, yeah, that thing would uh, do my laundry. So, uh, Larry Roberts, thanks for making it on the show, buddy. What's happening, Dave? Sorry I'm late, man. I'm just happy to be here. Yeah, we, it's, you know, sometimes technology is is not your friend. And uh, the other thing we do, Larry, is uh, do you like coffee by any chance? Uh, it depends. I mean, I, I used to be a big coffee drinker. Now I'm, I'm more of a, if you've seen me around, you typically see me with a white monster can in hand. Yeah, so. we're going to pretend you're pouring coffee. There we go. Oh, that's the the wrong sound effect. There we go. And um, that coffee pour, of course, is brought to you by. There we go. Let's do it again. Let's get it right. There we go. And and that is brought to you by again our good friend Mark over at uh, podcastbranding.co. If you remember, of course, obviously they see you before they hear you. And uh, Mark is not only an award winning uh, graphic artist, he's a podcaster. I mean, look at all these awesome pieces of artwork. Amazing stuff. And uh, he will sit down with you and he will figure out what your show's about. He will look at your website because if you need a whole website, if you need artwork, if you need a PDF for a lead magnet, if you need anything to look good, well, doggone it, Mark is the place. He is the guy. He is the man that understands podcasting and graphic arts. And so he wants to help you out. Again, his website is podcastbranding.co. Tell him that Dave, Jim, and even Larry uh, sent you because uh, he's a good guy for sponsoring the show. He helps keep it going, and uh, we appreciate it. And I just realized as I look at the screen, Larry, you're not on the screen, and that's not Larry's fault. Here, let's, let's get him over here. Can I do this live? Oh, there he is. Look, it's Larry. You'll see in a second. And one more. Isn't that fun? It's like jazz. It's like excellent. And last but not least, uh, Larry, if you've never heard of this show, you want to check it out. Larry, have you ever watched a show that started off and it said based on a true story? Yeah, of course. Well, there you go. What what uh, Dan does is he goes over and says, okay, how much of that, you know, it's based on a true story. But is it really like how much, you know, the characters' names and from there they just went crazy. Well, he picks it apart and says, here's what was true. Here's what really happened. You know, in the end, you know, maybe, um, oh, I'm totally drawing a blank. What was the woman in Titanic? Rose. Um, Rose. Maybe Rose should have made some room on that door. You know, maybe a door would have supported, you know, Jack, poor Jack. Um, but check him out. It's a it's a great podcast. He's been a, a fill-in co-host as well. Dan, uh, thank you much for uh, sponsoring uh, Jim's Mug. So with that, Larry Roberts, I'm so glad you are here. Uh, I, I'm hoping – I have a member of the School of Podcasting, Craig from uh, Live Well and Flourish, and he is uh, also uh, – because your background's in IT, I didn't realize. Yeah, that. yeah. My, my corporate background was IT. When I left uh, my corporate gig back in January of 21, I was a business intelligence analyst. So uh, data and all things related to data was was my daily jam. Nice. And because uh, Craig teaches like 
computer stuff, like IT stuff. In uh, he's a professor. At, I should say, excuse me, Doctor Doctor Craig uh, is um, teaches down in Louisiana. He's really into Chat GPT, and I was like, oh, we get you two in the same room. It'd be crazy. But because uh, um, <laughs> I've seen you do two presentations now on Chat GPT, and the one latest one was at Spark Media, and mm-hmm. uh, so the. I always thought, as I, I've been sniffing ChatGPT for a while, that, man, I just really need le- to learn how to prompt. And I understand that's kind of like one of your titles now. You're like a, a prompter or, I forget, I saw on your... engineer, I think, is the technical term, but... Uh... I just saw Daniel T. Lewis's comment. I, w- I worked for the BIA. That's, that's pretty funny for a little nerd business intelligence joke there. Uh, but... Prompt engineering is the term that we've been using as of late for people that are trying to uh, develop prompts to help people create their content. Yeah. And so I thought I just needed to learn how to prompt. And I found out from your thing at uh, at Spark, there's really a step we need to do beforehand where you can kind of go in and kind of tell it who you are-ish. So can you kind of expand on that a bit? Yeah, sure. And this is, uh, we'll say it's relatively new. This this wasn't, when ChatGPT first came out, this wasn't uh, a feature that they offered. But now they have custom instructions. And within the custom instructions, it gives you two different text boxes or two different areas where you can populate ChatGPT with information about yourself, your goals, your business, what you do, who you are, what you like, what your personality style is. And then there's also a text box below that has another set of variables that you can input that tells ChatGPT how to respond. So that helps out tremendously because typically when we were first using ChatGPT, I'm sure we've all heard that if you want to get good results, you go into ChatGPT and you say, I want you to act as a copywriter, or I want you to act as a novelist, or I want you to act as a marketing expert. Well, with these custom instructions, you can establish that personality or that persona at the account level. So no longer do you need to do it every time you start a new chat. When you input your custom instructions, ChatGPT references those before it actually responds to any of your queries. Very nice. Now, like when you tell it about yourself, can you say I'm a, you know, like does ChatGPT understand sarcasm, for example? Like, or, or, <laughs> or, or can I say be funny or be light? 100%. Yeah. Yes, 100%. You can tell it exactly how to respond, uh, what your personality traits are, and it will take all that into consideration also when it's evaluating your questions or your commands, and then also as it's responding to those questions or commands. Nice. The other thing I thought was really interesting, I, I love people that, and that sounds like a really stupid statement, I love people that tell the truth, but you showed how you can go in, because everybody's like, wait a minute, everything I put into chat, be, chat why can I saw bleh, Okay, chat GPT. You need more of that copy, Dave. That's That's it. You need some more of that copy. (laughs) It's like everybody's worried that if I put in too much information into chat GPT, that they can use it and I'm giving away trade secrets and all this other stuff. And you kind of showed at the conference where you can go in and opt out of that. And then you had another point about the terms of service. Yeah, it's interesting because they did, you know, privacy is always one of the biggest concerns. I was just doing a, a, a ABC here in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex two days ago, and privacy was one of the biggest concerns that people have. So ChatGPT came and they gave us the opportunity to opt out 
of them leveraging our data to train their models. Now, the only problem with that is, is that you're still operating under the original user agreement that you agreed to when you signed up for ChatGPT. So while I haven't actually talked to any legal experts regarding whether or not that's still a loophole, it's just definitely something you want to keep in mind. Yeah, I I always assume they're snooping and using everything I put in, even because, you know, not that they're evil, but they, you know, most big companies didn't get there being completely white hat all the way. So <laughs> you, you, you never know. Um, well, it's scary, too, because, I mean, all this is so new to us. You know, this yeah. is just the words AI or even AGI. That's even scarier. You know, artificial general intelligence. It just freaks people out. And I, I think a lot of it goes back to all the movies that we've seen over the last decades, you oh, know, yeah. two or three decades. Every time you see AI, it's obviously taking over and then it's wiping out the human race, whether it was Hal and a space odyssey or whether it's Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator. AI has always been the bad guy. Yeah. And um, so is is are they going to take over and, and kill the world? And, you know, do we have something to be worried about? Well, my crystal ball doesn't tell me for sure, <laughs> but <laughs> at this stage of the game, uh, I don't think we have too much to be concerned about at this point. Um, there, there's debate as to whether or not AGI or artificial general intelligence, where the AI itself becomes self-aware, the AI itself continues to evolve without human interaction. That's the difference between the AI that we're using now, where it takes us as humans to give it a prompt or a command. AGI tends to evolve and learn on its own with little to no human interaction. So that's kind of the scary aspect because once they get that nailed down, I mean, inevitably, the AI is going to become smarter than we are. And if the machines are smarter than we are, the big question is, how do we stay in control? But some scientists are saying that AGI just is is out of reach. So it's it's not something to be really, really concerned about right now. Nice. Uh, DR says... That, um, you know, it's, you can put it into like be 30% witty and 70% professional. So, um, that's an interesting slant. The, the one thing I thought I would ask before we get into how podcasters can use it, what yeah. can you, what can you not use chat GPT for? Like what should you go? Yeah, that's not the right tool for this. Well, at this stage of the game, it can do just about everything <laughs> other than video at this point. Uh, because they're even re they're releasing the, the latest release that's coming out and is being rolled out literally as we speak right now. It should be out over the next two weeks. Everybody should have access to it. But ChatGPT has now evolved to the point where it can see, hear, and speak. So you can show it images now and it can analyze the images and you can have a, a conversation if you're using ChatGPT on your mobile device, whether it's iOS or Android, it's available on both. You can literally have a conversation back and forth with ChatGPT. So uh, they are starting to roll out the new version of DAL-E as well. And DAL-E is the image creation platform mm -hmm. that was created by OpenAI, the same developers of ChatGPT. And before too long, we're going to see DAL-E in integrated into ChatGPT as well. So you'll even be able to do image generation right there within the same platform. Very interesting. It's It's kind of, you know, Dave's not here now, you know, um, that whole nine years. Um, Ross, Ross Brand. Uh, wants What's up, know, Ross Brand? Yeah, wants to know, do you use the templates in ChatBTT? You know, I'm just never going to get that right. Uh, not sure if you're, if they're native in ChatGPT or if it's some sort of plugin. 
there there's some recommendations when you first log on to chat gpt there's like four different uh suggested prompts to get you started but some of the other templates that are out there what i see a lot of folks using is a, a plugin called aiprm and what that does it helps you become a prompt master and it has it's preloaded with literally with thousands of different prompts for just about every content creation scenario you can imagine. But that's a very, very popular plugin. Now, I personally don't use any of the plugins. I like to prompt it myself, especially now that we have the custom instructions. But I, I definitely recommend if you're new to ChatGPT, use something like AI PRM in order to get you started. Yeah. One thing that has come the more I watch you do stuff. I'm kind of seeing what the cast magics and the swells and the cap shows. It seems like they're just using chat GPT with a bunch of plugins that you do have to pay for. And then they basically charge a little more money on top of it and make maybe a little prettier interface. How do we know which road to go down? Do I just spend the 20 bucks and, and use chat GPT and use their plugins? Or do I just use a, you know, cast magic cap show swell? There's like, actually, I think, Yep, in about two more minutes, somebody else is going to put a new one of those on the on the market. Um, how <laughs> they're wrapping it up right now? Yeah, for the general person, because again, you're kind of a nerd, right? You've got this background in tech, but for the person, it will, <laughs> but for but for the person that's new to tech, maybe or is not super, you know, they know Word and email and things like that. Uh, does it make sense to like no, just jump into ChatGPT and you know go to YouTube and hire Larry to train you on chat GPT. What's how hard is a road is that compared to using something like cap show or cast magic or, you know, all those fun toys. I mean, I'm definitely biased when it comes to hiring Larry to help you with chat. GPT. Yes. I love that recommendation, mm -hmm. but as far as the other tools go, I think it really depends on how much of a control freak you are. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. personally, uh, I like to be able to be, be in total control of the content that I'm creating, whether it's the the titles, whether it's the show notes, whether it's a blog post or or even a book. Um, but if if I am really being honest, we we definitely use some of those tools in house here as well. Um, I, I'd rather not say which I use because I'm friends with the developers on both platforms, and I don't want to lose any friends this morning. But <laughs> but I, I think those tools are very very useful and they're very time-saving as well. So it's a much more efficient way to address it. But me personally, when I'm doing Larry stuff, I like to have total control. So I typically go with the chat GPT and some of the other tools directly. Well, Larry, you ready to do something I've never done on the show before? Uh, uh oh, That's going to be fun. We're going to go to a three-person panel. And I said, no, uh, I, I sure hope we can get Craig Van Slyke on here. Dr. Craig, I should say. And he's another chat GPT guru. And um, I'm just glad and, my studio's in good shape here because we're seeing angles that we typically don't see on uh, when, when I'm online here. It's, it's looking <laughs> good, my friend. Craig, how are you? Good. Good. How are y'all? Oh, good morning, fun. Craig. So I know you've uh, been playing. How long have you been playing with ChatGPT? Or were you like an early adopter or? Yeah. When, uh, when you couldn't really get in, I was able to get in. So <laughs> Nice. What are you using ChatGPT for, Craig, at this point? You know, I use it for all kinds of stuff. So I use it to help me develop every episode. I use it for therapy from time to time. <laughs> As Dave said earlier, I teach college classes. I use it to help me refine how I'm going to explain things. Uh, and I'm getting ready to launch a newsletter and podcast called AI Goes to College. Nice. And it's helping cool. me think through that launch and 
kind of how I might want to structure the newsletter and that sort of thing. So really, it's my trusted advisor. So ah. ChatGTP Chat and Dave, those are my trusted <laughs> advisors. Well, and, and Larry, when you're making a pie, because you have the, is it just called Branded? Is yeah, so, the, the show that I have these days is called Branded. Yes, and that is found at? Listen to Branded.com. There we go. So the Z-Man wants to know, you know, hey, I've been mulling over the name of my podcast. I have 28 topics in hand. Can I put those topics into to basically ChatGPT and have it give me suggestions? So what would that look like if you guys wanted to, to play with that? No, you, I mean, you can absolutely do that. One of my favorite prompts is asking it to please critique and then whatever I want it to critique. And so you can ask it to evaluate those names, to rank them, to come up with variations on those names, anything like that. It's, it's pretty good at all of those things. Larry, you got another, uh, you know, another door in yeah. the same room? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you can use all those, all twenty-eight of them. You can load them up into ChatGPT as long as it's within the token uh, allowance that they currently have on ChatGPT. So, if you're using a lot of data that you're asking ChatGPT to evaluate, you may run into from time to time that it exceeds the token limits, or it, there's too much data there, and it asks you to reduce the size of it. And if that's the case, then you could take those twenty-eight titles or twenty-eight summaries or whatever it may be put them into a PDF and then use one of the PDF reader plugins to overcome that. Now, here's another way around that little limitation as well. Uh, I saw somebody mention Claude in the yeah. comments and Claude is amazing and it doesn't have those limitations. So if you're evaluating large amounts of data, there's times that I'll go over and use Claude as well to overcome that. So there, there's a couple of different ways that we could I was going to say skin a cat, but I'm not going to say that because that's kind of painful. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that is a weird saying. And Yeah, right? Craig, this well, week, what did, you, what did you do with Claude that somehow it, it, it rated your show or something? Yeah, yeah. I uh, just uh, This was with Bard, Bard uh, Google's okay. AI, which, by the way, got much, much, much better about two weeks ago. It used to be garbage, but it got a lot better. So I just ask it, what do you think of uh, the podcast Live Well and Flourish? And, and I, I tell you, it, it was, um, yeah, I mean, I would have been really bad if it com completely stinks, but <laughs> it didn't, fortunately. Can I ask ChatGPT, what are the, I mean, obviously, at the, I should quit saying that. Can I ask ChatGPT? Yes, you can ask ChatGPT anything you want. But like, can ChatGPT, Teach me how to learn ChatGPT. Yeah, absolutely. You can. Add, in fact, that's how I learned. As I said, what what can I do to help you give me better answers? And it'll tell you things like give me a role, give me context, tell me what you want for your output. Uh, if you have a particular purpose in mind, you can tell it. You know, I'm trying to develop a script for an episode, or I'm trying to write my show notes, or whatever it might be. You can tell it your audience. You know, I'm trying to reach an audience of podcasters. Uh, really, any if you almost think of it as being like a consultant, mm. what, what would you tell a consultant to to help the consultant give you better answers? answers. Interesting. Where where did you learn ChatGPT? Man, a lot of it is just really hands-on and mm -hmm. understanding how to have the, the the level of conversation that you want to have with ChatGPT. So many times we try to overcomplicate it. 
And it, it literally is, it's taught using natural language. So if we use, use our natural language, it's going to better understand us than if we try to put something together that sounds very technical and very precise. Just ask ChatGPT for what you're looking for. It, it'll give it to you. Now, granted, I, I have a couple of prompts that I can share, and Dave, if, uh, I can put them in chat or something along those lines yeah. that have some variables. And I, I, this one particular uh, prompt that I use, you can use it for a variety of different things if you just plug in the different variables. I'll actually copy that off and throw it in the chat there, uh, which is it's, it's been very, very helpful, and it's a great starter prompt. So if you think that'd be valuable, I'm happy to share. Let's say I, I, I'm like, okay, natural language. If I throw in something to chat GPT and it doesn't understand what I just asked it to do, like I, I just told it to, you know, moo moo dog face with a banana patch. And it's like, I don't know what that is. For those of you, that's an old Steve Martin joke. Um, what does it do when it's confused? Because I've heard about it hallucinating, which is it doesn't know the answer. So it makes one up. So if you just really hork a really bad prompt, what happen? You'll get a really bad response if you get a response at all, because there are definitely times where it'll just say, I don't understand or I can't yeah. answer that question. Yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting when we ask it some, and I don't want to go down into a rabbit hole here, but if we ask it certain questions that may not reflect some of the data that it's been trained on, uh, the response there, it will just come back and tell you, I can't, I can't answer that one. Oh, interesting. Well, that's good. And, and it, it's important to understand that it has no notion of something being true. Right. I mean, it's mm. all probabilities to it. So it, it, it'll tell you things, but it has no idea whether or not they're really true. So that, that's on you. Yeah. That's the one thing I've always, you know, I used to cite the one, there's a, an article on Castos's website that says how hard it was. There was a discoverability problem with, podcasting back in like 1990 and I go yeah there was a real discoverability problem because it didn't exist yet always fact check that's why I try not to use it as a search engine I try to use it as a writing tool or like Craig said maybe like um, your own little consultant I know when I um, I did a sales video and I I know what a sales video is and they do this and do that and you exaggerate and blah 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 and I said I just went to chat GPT. I go, what are the, the proper steps of a good sales video? And I skipped one. I was like, oh yeah, I totally forgot about that one. So I like to brainstorm with it at, at times. What's, when it comes to podcasting, like if somebody says, well, how, how would this write my show notes? What would you, how do you, uh, how do you do that, Larry? Yeah. A lot of the ways that we do that is we'll export the, the MP3 using Otter or another transcription service, and then use that transcription to have chat GPT summarize it into your show notes. And that kind of goes back to what I was talking about before I, I got booted there was either using Claude to, to review and uh, summarize that large amount of data or putting those show notes into a PDF so that ChatGPT can read it all. Interesting, when it comes to using a lot of data, um, I recently wrote a book for someone that is the, the president of a, a fairly large uh, entrepreneur's network. And what we did was we took 200 of his blog posts and we imported them into Chad GPT, filled out his custom instructions so that Chad GPT understood his persona and his writing style and what he's looking for. And we literally wrote his book in four hours. It's a 12 chapter, 130 some odd page book. Now he needs to go back through and read each chapter and add a little bit here, or maybe change a little bit there. But overall, it did an amazing job of summarizing those 200 blog posts and making it an actual book. 
Yeah, because now if you go in and add a personal story here and a personal story there, a little fact-checking here and there, that's pretty interesting. I know, um, I think it was PodFest where you did the one with the squirrels. You, yeah, you, yeah. You had ChatGPT <laughs> write a children's book. And just about the time, the whole audience was like, whoa, uh, Larry showed the whatever tool you use to make the artwork. And that was insane. And it was just yeah. like, yeah. So, uh, And this was in January. So, I mean, you know, ChatGPT yeah. had only been out for two months when I did that talk. And the book that it wrote was called Squirrely Love. So what I had done was my wife, we, we have some trees in the backyard and the wife, she loves going out there and hanging out with the squirrels. And she came in one day, she goes, oh my God, you're not going to believe this, but the little squirrels, they grew up and now one moved to a different tree, but he's still in the backyard, but in a different tree. And I told her, I said, honey, that's cute and all, but I think it was a husband and wife squirrel that got a divorce and he packed up his nuts and he moved to the tree across the yard. But he didn't want to leave the neighborhood because they got kids, right? So they want to co-parent. And so when I told her that, I was like, man, I wonder if I can write that into a book. So I literally took essentially that exact prompt that I just said, put it into Chad GPT, and it wrote the entire children's book. It was called Squirrely Love. It gave it a title. And it was all about the two squirrels that got a divorce but wanted to stay in the same neighborhood because they were co-parenting three <laughs> little squirrels. And it was the cutest tale. And it was really, really an effective little book. So then using Doll E, which I mentioned Doll E 3 is on its way out here in the next couple of weeks. If it's not out uh, officially now, actually, I think it is already out. Um, but I used Doll E to come up with images of baby squirrels. And then I illustrated the book. So I did the whole thing in just a couple of hours. It went from a silly st a story about the squirrels in the backyard to an entire children's book. And that's really just the power of the tools. Yeah, it's crazy. DR had a, a quick question here. She said... Uh, is ChatGPT, because I know there's the free version and then there's a paid version, which I, if I understand this right, is 20 bucks a month. Uh, does ChatGPT, is it limited to a hard stop at 2021 or has that been updated? So uh, you want to the model that the model that it's using is still 2021. However, Bing is also back. So it has uh, direct access to the Internet now. So you can get information, uh, up to date, current information on any topic that you're interested in. Yeah, is is <laughs> go ahead, Greg. That's another place where Bard, which is Google's yeah. version of ChatGPT, Bard has full access to the internet, as I understand it. It can actually access your Google Docs and your Gmail and that kind of thing if you ask it to. It's <laughs> so scary. Which, yeah, which is... Well, they've actually got it incorporated now. If you go to Google Docs right. or Sheets, you've got an AI companion that's right there that's embedded in, in their entire suite. Well, that speaking of Google, Hillary has a question. She says, uh, what if... You want, what if we want our own info to be discovered as in our podcast on our own background or others to discover? I don't know that it's really, it's not a search engine. It's, but like, if I say, write a, you know, write a summary of this transcription using the top keywords, does it know that? Or how does it work via, for SEO purposes? Does it know? Eh, opinions vary, yeah. but can it evaluate and determine? Sure it can. So that, that's really the way that we want to look at it is not that it knows what the best SEO words are, but the opportunity for it to discover those words is definitely there. Um, and, and in reading that question, it sounded like maybe they were asking if we could somehow make sure that it remembers our information and we can embed our information in the training models. And at least I'm not aware of any way to make sure that they're using our data for training purposes and, um, creating an environment where it's discoverable for other users. 
I haven't heard of that in, in, to date, at least. Maybe Craig has, but I'm, I'm not familiar no. with that. Yeah, basically she says, can we add ourselves so that when others search for us, we show up? I think it's more of a, that's just a good old-fashioned SEO question, you know, and uh, there are tons of tools. Like I know CoSchedule is a kind of a, uh, a tool you use to plan your content, but they have a headline mm-hmm. tool that now has... AI built into it. And it's kind of interesting because it, it really gets you into fairly clickbaity kind of titles that I'm like, that's, that's where I try to write for people. And when it just has me using words that I would never use, I'm just like, yeah, Dave would never say that. I appreciate that. I'm going to get, you know, I got a score of 72 where before it was 68, but I'm like, yeah, I just would never say that though. That's the, the, you know, tricky part. So I, I did a little bit of work for a company uh, that released a tool called thoughtspace.ai. Um, and it actually trains on your content. So they can you can give them your RSS feed and it will pull in all of your episodes. And it can do this with PDFs or videos, whatever. And then it will answer questions based on the content that you provide. Yeah, it's, it's spooky. So like, here's, here's my thought space. And so I can go here and say, you know, what is the best microphone under $100? And it thinks about it, and it's going through all my transcripts. Based on the content in this thought space, the best microphone under $100 is the Audio-Technica ATR2100. Thought space discusses various microphones, including the Shure MV7, Blue Yeti and Rode Podcaster, but the Audio-Technica ATR2100 is recommended. And then what's interesting, it has a whole bunch of other things here, but but if I go to watch, it brings up the, yeah, it brings a really old video of me. It's in the winter. My hair is, uh, (laughs) you know, if I want to blow that up. um, Yeah, so that it's, so I'm talking, even though I'm talking about a Zoom, I must've mentioned that microphone in that video. So thought space is really interesting because it it's can kind of, in a way, uh, if you're a consultant, be careful because uh, it might, you know, take you, oops, wrong one. Uh, we're on this one. There we go. Um, I was like, well, that's kind of cool, except if it answers everybody's questions for them, uh, they're not going to hire me. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, that's kind of a, an interesting thing, but uh, it is a really cool program. I, I've, I've had a couple times where somebody would be like, I, it's somewhere in the school of podcasting. It's like ask Robo Dave and you can go over there and, and I've asked it, you know, the typical question, how do I grow my audience? How do, what's the best microphone? You know, should I use this? And I'm like, well, that's actually what I would say. And it's like, oh, cause that's what I said. So it's, it's kind of spooky in that aspect. So what they're working towards is to try to help uh, creators better engage with their audience. Mm. So that that's their end goal. And, and, you know, it's still in beta. So if anybody's interested, I just put my uh, email address in chat. Nice. I'm happy to connect people. Yeah. It's, it's a fun toy when it came along. And then uh, have you played much with mid journey? Um, either of you guys, uh, uh, DR wants to know Dolly, I guess is how we're saying that versus mid journey. I know uh, Todd Cochran is all over mid journey. And <laughs> what's interesting about that is the first couple of times Todd was using mid journey. It looked like it was the first time he used mid journey. Now, when I see this stuff, I'm like, that's actually pretty cool. 
So I've seen a lot of people in the chat room are like, you kind of just got to play with it. But have you played with either one of those? And do you have a preference? Yeah, I mean, I've I've played with both. And while there are a variety of parameters that you can use that will really clean up your mid-journey images, mid-journey to me, it's it's really not that user-friendly. I mean, it's it's on a Discord server. You have to understand Discord. You have to understand variables. You have to understand a lot of things to get good quality results out of mid-journey. Now, Dali was always running behind mid-journey as far as the, the visuals go. The images weren't very nice. They were poorly rendered, and they weren't really applicable. But that's kind of the case across the board, in my personal opinion. I've never been a huge fan of text to graphics because... Although they look cool, you can make some really cool looking artwork, but what's the function behind them? How can I use them? Getting something that was functional out of mid-journey was always a struggle. Now, I've mentioned Doll E3 a couple of times this morning. What I've seen, and I haven't been able to play with it myself yet, but what I've seen with Doll E3, it does a tremendous job. It does a tremendous job with text, which has always been a struggle with mid-journey or any of the other text to image generators. Uh, it does a really, really good job with hands and feet, which have also always been a big struggle. Yeah. So we're, we're continuing to see all of these types of image generation platforms evolve, but I've never been a big fan to date just because they're not that functional. I think you can get at uh, Dolly through Bing, through Bing now, which makes yeah, it... I think Bing slash image, easier. I think is what it is. Yeah, something like that, but it, it's a, l- a little bit easier to use. Yeah, how do you how do you spell Dolly? Because I'm thinking, you know, D O L L Y. If I'm listening to the podcast, and it's is it D A L L E D A L L correct? Okay, D A L L E. Awesome. If I wanted to use that, Craig, you said it was what image dot. Yeah, I'm actually looking for it right now. Is it just in Chat GPT and you click a image? No, it's definitely not. It's definitely not. So it's a different company. Yeah, it's so it's all the same company. Okay. Okay, here's how you get to it. Go to bing.com slash create, not image. Ah. There you go. But it's actually created by the same company that created uh, ChatGPT. It's, it's developed by OpenAI. But we have to keep in mind that we're finding it on the Microsoft site because Microsoft had a minimum of a $10 billion investment into OpenAI. So they're one of their primary partners. And that's why we're seeing this here. And actually, now this is interesting because if you look up in the top left-hand corner of that screen, it says "powered by Doll E3." So that's interesting. That's relatively new. They they weren't announcing the fact that it was definitely Doll E3 the other day. So that's a that's a bit of an update. Uh, Bing.com/slash/create. All right, and Craig, go ahead. So you you it used to be that you had to be pretty good at your prompts to get a decent image. I am not good at those prompts, and I was able to create a really nice image of a robot coming through these ivy-covered college gates for a presentation I was doing in, in no time flat. So if you, if you played with it before and you couldn't get it to do what you wanted it to do, try it again. I think and one of my, f- my favorite images that I've seen is somebody put in, draw, uh, you know, create a picture of Jesus flipping over uh, tables. And instead of, you know, him kind of doing one of these with a table and and lifting up and flipping it over, it was kind of Jesus as a ninja flipping over tables. And I found that quite humorous. Uh, uh, So uh, keep that in mind. The, The thing I loved is when Jim and I first talked about AI, I had 
I don't know if it was in Canva or whatever it was. And the person that we had sitting there, A, their face was a little weird. And I believe they had six fingers, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. So it's come a long way uh, since then. So obviously the summary, can, here's one. And again, I know the answer is yes, you can. But like right now I said, you know, bing.com slash create. Can I say, scan this transcript and pull out the website addresses? Is that a possibility? Because that would oh, be cool. Dave, that's an, that's an interesting question. I haven't tested that before. Oh, okay. Well, get right on that, doggone it. No, I'm going to yeah. do that. Because that's one of the things I, I like. When I listen to a show, I'm listening for, you know, oh, I need to add those to the show notes. And I need to add this and that. So anytime there's a website, because it drives me like, I want to punch my phone when there's somebody. I um, Yesterday, I was watching YouTube. <laughs> And apparently the two guys, this is a total tangent, I realized. There was a band called Silverchair that was really huge in Australia. And there were these young kids. Long story short, two of the members wrote a book. And it sounds like a really great book. So I'm on YouTube, you know, link in the show. No, no, no link. And I just was like, so anytime somebody mentions anything that is clickable, I try to put it in, you know, the episode description. It, it makes me angry when they don't. So... Craig, are you teaching this now in school? Like how to be a prompter uh, and engineer? Kind of. Um, so I'm teaching kind of the junior level uh, information systems class that all business students have to take. And we're doing a mini lab every week to teach them how to use. Uh, we're, a lot of them are using uh, Poe because it lets you get into ChatGPT and others. It's Poe.com. You can get into Claude that way. But I'm taking them through a series where we start out trying to write a silly poem and then eventually we'll work up to much more serious work. So that's not a bad way to start is to, you know, do something where it's just fun where you're not really worried that much about exactly solving some problem. And that way you get used to using it and you learn how to use it when you're not worried about some big task. And then when you want to use it for a big task, you already know how to use it. I know Craigman mentioned uh, Claude, and I've heard Todd Cochran talk about Claude. Have you played with mm-hmm. Claude? And is this one of those where, so this is a two questions at once, I guess. Have you used Claude? And B, does it make more sense to just double down on one or try to use them all? I think it's fun to play with them all. Yes, I have played with Claude. And yes, uh, the, the results have been extremely favorable. Um, but for me personally, my focus has typically landed right back on chat GPT. I like to kind of have an idea of what everybody else is doing so I can make those comparisons. But with chat GPT, now you got me, I can't say it. (laughs) It's contagious. (laughs) But with chat GPT being at the forefront and everybody being aware of that particular platform more so than some of the others, I tend to focus there. So that's typically where all the questions are coming from. Yeah. Craig, how about you? So, so I I use chat GPT a lot more. What, what Claude is good at um, is that you can attach really large documents to it. Um, yeah, it's weird. got, this is going to get geeky, but I think uh, ChatGPT <laughs> has what they call a 32K token window. I think it's still 32K. Yep. It's, still, it's still 32. Claude 2 has a 100K token window. And you can kind of divide that or multiply it by what, two thirds or so to get the number of words it can handle, but it's not a precise calculation. But you could take a really big document and pop it into Claude and ask it to summarize and, and chat GPT can't handle that. But for 
lots of other things. The interface is a lot better on ChatGPT. Is Bing and Bard the same thing? Hey, I can answer this one. No, Bing is a search engine. Bard is Microsoft. No, Bard is Google's chat GPT. So uh, it's not. And then she says, uh, what are the plugins? Um, This is a good one because I didn't realize it. It 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 reminded me of WordPress. You know, you you get the the free thing and then you have to buy all these plugins. And then if you're going to buy plugins, then you have to pay for chat GPT. So do you guys have a, a you know top five list or or anything that you, you use? I I actually do have several that I use regularly, and depending on the audience that I'm talking to, uh, I recommend different plugins. I actually have my top ten list for entrepreneurs. I was going to say um, that that sounds like a phenomenal lead magnet. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad for sure. So, what are plugins? You have to have a uh, you have to have the premium or plus account in order to access plugins. And once you have that, if you go to chat, go to ChatGPT and start a chat in the top of your window. There, you'll see the opportunity for plugins. So, you click a drop down, you go to the plugin store, and at last count, which was just last week, there was around nine hundred and seventy five different plugins to choose from. And a lot of them doing the same things. But some of the cool things that, that you have out there is like AI PDF. That's one of my favorite plugins right there for ChatGPT because it helps you overcome that 32K token limitation that Craig was talking about a minute ago. One of my other favorites, and I use this all the time, it's called Video Insights. Yes, It's another plugin. So you turn on Video Insights, you give it a YouTube URL, it will watch and summarize a YouTube video for you. So you don't even have to watch them anymore. You can just get all the high points directly from the video. It is amazing. So that's another one of my favorites. Um, another cool one is called Prompt Perfect. That's a great plugin to help you with your prompting. Uh, and this one, and this is kind of interesting because I just said earlier, and I don't know if you, you picked up on it. I said Bing is back. So ChatGPT now has access to the internet again. However, in my testing and some of the other testing that I've seen on, well, YouTube, uh, it's not really all that reliable. So some of the results are, meh, it doesn't really give you a good summary of the sites that it goes to or the articles that you're having it read. So another one of my, you got to have this plugin. It's called Web Pilot. It gives you direct access to the internet and it does an amazing job of summarizing some sites for you. So mm-hmm. that'll help you cut your research time down significantly if you're looking for points out of a particular article. Yeah. And I think Craig, that that's four. So here we go. Craig, you got any favorite plugins that you use? No, I got pretty frustrated when they first came out because they kind of universally didn't work well. And I have not oh. gotten over that frustration, but I'll try those. <laughs> I, by the way, Larry, I would totally sign on to that lead magnet. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like I better export it real quick. Uh, well, while you're looking for that, Larry, let me uh, remind everyone watching that, uh, uh, yes, you can be an awesome supporter for Ask the Podcast Coach. Just go to askthepodcastcoach.com slash awesome. We're on the road to 40. I checked this morning, we're at 33. So if you're thinking, oh, really? I, I was going to do that last week, and, and then you didn't. Well, um, yeah, now you should. So you can be an awesome supporter. And uh, this show is also brought to you by the school of podcasting.com, where you can get courses, coaching, and community, and of course, unlimited one on one coaching. Uh, check it out, school of podcasting.com. Uh, Ask the Podcast Coach runs on PodPage. You can check it out at tripodpage.com. And um, there's a lot of really cool stuff happening over at PodPage. In fact, uh, I was talking with Brendan over the weekend, and I'm like, you're going to make me very busy 
in updating tutorials again. Uh, check it out, tripodpage.com. Jim's not here, and if you just miss him, well, then go over to theaverageguy.tv and check out one Jim Cullison and uh, his show, Home Gadget Geeks. And the Spotlight Supporter of the Week is the one and only Glenn Hebert, better known as Glenn the Geek. You can find him at horseradionetwork.com. Um, Glenn has been a longtime supporter. In fact, he's probably the longest supporter, so... Thank you so much for that, Glenn. I deeply appreciate it. Again, if you want to be an awesome supporter, go over to askthepodcastcoach.com slash awesome. And since they're here today, of course, you can check out Craig's show at Live Well and Flourish. It's um, Here's why I like that show. It makes me think. And I always say, if you make me laugh, cry, think, grown, educate, or entertain. And that show is a great, it's, it's typically short. You walk around the block, you get a nice little thing and you go, huh, you know what? I should do that. And of course, you can find Larry over at uh, Red Hat Media. Oh, there's a nice picture of that. That's not what we want. We want that. Red Hat, <laughs> Red Hat Or what was the other website that I've already forgotten? Um, branding. Listen to branding.com. Listen to branded.com. There's a link on Red Hat Media.io as well, directly to the podcast. You can find it there. And uh, Dave, I wanted to let you know, I'm going to put in the chat a link to one of my presentations that has all of the prompts that I put in the chat. It has all of my favorite plugins. And again, these are directed at an entrepreneur uh, uh, audience, but still it's, it's just redhatmedia.io slash E-O-S-D. So I'm going to put that right there and that stands for Entrepreneur Organization San Diego. It was a chat that I did, nice. I don't know, about a month ago. So uh, you can get all those slides. It has all my favorite stuff with ChatGPT in there. What's the, for both of you guys, what's the thing you've done with ChatGPT that you went, whoa, I didn't think that was going to, you know, I should have asked you guys this before, but like, is there one thing you went and you went, oh man, that is cool. Yeah, I wrote my book. Yeah, I literally wrote my an entire book. I mean, you may have seen this, the, the the posts on social media that my book's yeah. coming out. The whole thing was written with ChatGPT. I wrote it in about six hours, and uh, it, it's the twelve chapters. It's called Under the Red Hat: uh, How to Stand Out in a Crowded Marketplace, and it was one hundred percent written by ChatGPT. Then after that, I went back in and added some some anecdotes and some personal stories, and it kind of brought it up to speed. But within one day, I had an entire book written. Now where did it get the content? Like, was it just, did you just talk into a microphone and have it transcribed or? No, no, no. I ta- I, I did the persona modeling, which you'll find oh, in those yeah. slides. And again, the, the, this is not the squirrel one. This is a totally different book. Yes. I saw Hillary mentioned that there. Uh, it, I gave it my persona using the custom instructions that we talked about earlier. And then I prompted it with a premise of how to stand out in a crowd. Uh, and in my particular instance, it happens to be a red hat, but how can I help you and then he locked up. Cliffhanger. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, well, Craig, what was the thing that you did that you're like, wait, what? That's cool. I, I, I feel like such an underachiever after that. <laughs> I thought it was really cool that it could write a poem about my cat, Taz. <laughs> so, I, love I should just slink away now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but poems are very creative. I, I never would have thought it would have... Uh, um, so I'm just going to keep this. You can, open. you can have it write a poem in a pirate voice or whatever you want. <laughs> there you go. And he's back. Beautiful. Man, I love right in the middle of my book pitch. It's like, no, you're out, bro. No pitching <laughs> yeah. from the stage. So no, go right <laughs> ahead. So where can we find your book? It's not out yet, but you can go to redhatmedia.io slash book. 
to sign up for the, uh, you'll be one of the first ones to know about it once it does drop and it should be out within the next two weeks. And the, the name of the book is? Uh, Under the Red Hat, How to oh, Stand yes, Out yes. in a Crowded Marketplace. There you go. Uh, do you want to tell that story? Because here's the beautiful thing about it. It works so well. And anytime <laughs> I'm at an event or whatever, even if he has his back to me, if I see somebody with a red hat, I go, oh, cool. Larry's here. Plus you're, how, yeah. what's, what are you, 6'2", six, 6'3"? Six, you're tall. Yeah, somewhere in that neighborhood. Used to be 6'3", but over over the years, yes. I've probably, you know, <laughs> shrunk a little bit. But uh, but yeah, I mean, it started out, I was in uh, Tampa, Florida at podcast, uh, not podcast, PodFest Origins, which was a small version of PodFest that happened about two years ago. And I was giving a talk. And while I was on stage, I was wearing a red hat, but it was a branded hat. It was a brand was called Supreme. And it's just a, a red hat with the word Supreme on it. And I was doing that because I was trying to relate to maybe some of the younger folks in the audience because that Supreme brand is a lifestyle brand that a lot of them were wearing a couple of years ago. So I gave my talk and I came down off stage and Alex San Filippo, who uh, owns Podmatch, he's the owner and founder of Podmatch. I'm sure everybody here probably knows who he is. Uh, he and I tend to give each other a hard time every time we talk. So we went through our little rhetoric back and forth. And he goes, but I got to ask you a serious question. He goes, why are you wearing that Supreme hat? And I told him, he goes, well, are they paying you? Are they sponsoring you? I'm like, dude, I'm a middle-aged white dude. There's no way they're ever going to sponsor me. <laughs> he goes, well, then why are you wearing their merch on stage? He goes, but I love the red hat because Dave, as you alluded to, I'm pretty tall. I weigh about 240 and I'm pretty loud. So I already stand out, but this red hat is like a beacon in the night. People can see it from all the way down the hallway and they know it's me. So that kind of resonated with me. If I'm not getting paid, why wear their stuff? So I went home, jumped on Amazon, bought a $6 unbranded red flat bill hat, threw it on, tilted it about 15 degrees to the right, and the red hat guy was born. And literally from that point forward, people started recognizing me as, quote unquote, the red hat guy. And they go, oh, you're that red hat guy that does the podcasting stuff. And I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. But it really drove home when uh, about five months later, I was at a conference in Miami called Bitcoin Miami. 35,000 people in attendance over the span of three to four days. Wow. And during that time, multiple people who I did not know found me in that sea of tens of thousands of people and said, oh, you're that red hat podcast guy. So when that happened, I was like, oh, my God, this is real. This is the real deal. So went back home, changed the business name, and it's been the red hat ever since. Yeah. So in addition to ChatGPT, you are a podcast guy. So if you need help with your <laughs> podcast and you're like, I don't like that Dave guy, well, then go over and check out Larry. He's a good guy and get you going over there and uh, check out uh, Branded and that whole nine yards. Is there anything else we, sh we should talk about in terms of ChatGPT that you're like, oh, we haven't talked about this yet? But if somebody's new to it, yeah, like where do they start? I would start with the free account. I mean, you, you have a ton of functionality that's available to you on the free account. So head over to chat.openai.com, sign up for a free account and play with it a little bit. Now, you have to keep in mind when you're using that free account, you're using an, ent an entirely different model of chat GPT. So it's not going to give you quite the same level of creativity or uh, collaborative type responses that you would get if you sign up for GPT-4, which is the paid version. So, but it's a great place to start. And you can start playing with some add-ins and some plugins like AIPRM, uh, those types of things. That's actually a Chrome extension. So if you're a Chrome user, uh, that will help you out there. But just start playing with it. 
you know, one of the biggest things that people need to be aware of, and I used this example the other day, if we think back to 1995, and I know everybody, at least on the screen right now, remembers 1995, there, there was an article in Newsweek that said that the internet was essentially a fad and that by 96, the internet would implode and it would all go away. And well, here we are today, you know, we're, we're still using it in all aspects of our lives. And what I'm seeing is a lot of people are resistant to AI and some of them even have the opinion that it's a fad. You know, we just went through the whole NFT thing, which imploded gloriously, but AI is, is nothing like that. You know, AI passes what I call the mom test. If, if I can explain how to use these tools to my mom and she gets it, that in itself is a sign that this was probably here to stay. Um, but that, that's still a huge concern. It's not going anywhere. It's here and it's been here. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand, yeah. too, because the, the term AI was actually coined in 1956. So it, it's not something that's new. But back then, they were just trying to use mathematic calculations or mathematical calculations or algorithms to get machines to mimic human-like behavior. And in their efforts, they called it AI or artificial intelligence. So it's been around forever. It's just consistently evolving. And we're going to continue to see it evolve and become more and more ingrained in every aspect of our life. Been using AI for years. <laughs> you just didn't know it. Every time yeah. you got a recommendation on Amazon or did a Google search, you were using AI. Yeah. The, yeah. the one, one word of warning, though, I, and, and this is me speaking to me as much as anything else, is avoid the rabbit hole. So you know it's easy to get in and just keep going and keep going and keep going and forget about what you're really trying to accomplish because it it's fascinating, and it'll it'll never get tired. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the, there was a thing where um, Warner Brothers just signed a a fake artist, like it's computer generated, and in the press release it was like. This person will not be a diva on tour. Um, never get tired, blah, blah, blah. And it was kind of like a the YouTube video I was watching was from this independent artist. And she's like, so I wonder how like the Warner Brother label mates, you know, the other bands that are like, hey, thanks for like, you know, complaining that, you know, I don't want to tour 24-7 and that whole nine yards. But it'll be interesting to see because, you know, it's really easy to make videos and you know, just you can have her dive into a shark or whatever you want because, you know, she's not going to die because <laughs> I forget her name. It was something like Nanu Nanu or something. It was very bizarre. But uh, but no, you, I mean, you're, you're spot on. And that was really at the uh, part of the forefront of the WGA strike that recently was resolved. I mean, the writers were on strike because of the fact that Hollywood is starting to use AI in a lot of their productions. So they were trying to protect themselves. And when we start talking about protection, that's always a big concern too. these companies that I go into and I start doing some consulting for AI and how they could implement certain AI tools in, in their systems. I hear from their programming staff. I hear from their customer service staff. I hear from the people there. They go, oh, AI, it's garbage. It's never going to work. And most of them are saying that out of a sense of self-preservation mm. because they see AI coming in and potentially eliminating quite a few of these positions. The funny thing is, I'm sure if, if you go to Amazon and search for a book on ChatGPT, there's got to be 150, all of them written oh. by ChatGPT. So that'll that'll be great fun. Any any final words on ChatGPT before uh, I got one other topic we're going to throw out? Uh, man, I think we've covered a lot of it. Craig, do you have anything? No, I just want to say thanks for letting me uh, hone in. I've got to go feed the horses. So. Yeah. 
Excellent. Well, can you All right. can you answer one more question? Sure. Sure. What was what was the last thing you read, uh, listened to, or watched? Read, listened to, or watched? Yeah, I, well, I was listening to David Hooper's uh, podcast on the way. <laughs> there you go. Driving home. So there you go, Larry. Shout out to David. Yeah. Last thing I watched was I think I started episode one, season two of Loki yesterday, but didn't get to finish it. So that was the last thing that I I just sat down to watch. There you go. Was it good so far? That's off to an interesting start. Yeah. There you go. Excellent. Just saw, I'm just throwing that out and they're like, what are you watching? So excellent. For, 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 for the record, I had already listened to your episode for this week before I listened to David. So just so everybody knows. Thanks again. All right. We'll see you. Yeah. We did have a, a question here uh, from the Z man. No, it was from Zeke. He said, Hey Dave, uh, the Ecamm setup is looking pretty fancy. How is it behind the scenes? This it, it's, there's a learning curve. There's, there's no lie. There's a learning curve because just doing things like I want to make these smaller, but then can people read them? I don't know, but at least now it's, it's fitting in there. It's, it's fun. What I want to do is behind the scenes. I have one screen that has like kind of what you're looking at. And then I have a whole bunch of itty bitty windows all around it. And I want to make the big screen smaller. Cause I don't really, I mean, I don't really need to see much besides where do I grab these comments at? So it's, it's fun. I like it. It was, uh, I was like, oh, wait, I got to set this up for Larry instead of Jim. That took all of, you know, two seconds. So it was no big deal. You know, I just, I'm, I'm kind of worried that it, it it's, uh, and, and this apparently is everything. I was on two Riverside calls this week and both of them quit recording my stuff halfway through the interview. Now, part of me goes, what's the common denominator in that? Uh, that would be Dave. <laughs> so maybe there's a problem, but I mean, I'm on fiber opt. I mean, like I got bandwidth out the wazoo here. So I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I think the common denominator there may have been Riverside. Riverside, yeah. I, I, I hear about that a lot. And I used to use Riverside yeah. and uh, then they quit sponsoring me. So I quit using them. Um, but th that wasn't really why. No, there's just so many technical issues that they've been having. And I, I think they've been growing at such a quick rate that their servers mm. are just having a hard time keeping up with the, with the new workload. Yeah. Uh, here's another chat GPT question from the Z-Man. I'm in music. Uh, sync. Can I input an MP3 and have ChatGPT suggest the appropriate music library for that particular style of music? Does it? I know it reads text. Does it listen to music? Not yet. It does not. not does not yet. No. It, you know, it might be interesting once it gets rolled out to test it with the new uh, the new features that it has, where you can have the conversations. Uh, it might be fun to play with that. I don't have it on my account yet, so I haven't been able to test something like that. But as soon as I have the hear, see, and speak functionality rolled out to my particular account, I'll give that a shot. But for right now, no, it's not something that it can yeah. do. And then DR mentioned that uh, I didn't say what I was watching to. Here's the funny thing. I watched this because I thought I was going to hate it. It's called Totally Killer on Amazon Prime. And what they did is they took Scream and Back to the Future and put them together. The, the funniest thing about it is you have people that are easily 22 maybe 24 playing teenagers, which is funny. Uh, but it's, it's basically scream and these people get killed. So this one uh, girl somehow invented a time machine and it wasn't working and then it did. And she goes back in time and she's trying to catch the killer in 1987. So there's lots of uh, neon and glowing and bad eighties music. And the fact that she's, like this one guy walks up and he's got an FBI shirt on and it's like female body inspector. And she's like, totally not appropriate. 
So there's it's it's a lot of bad 80s jokes and things like that. So I really didn't think I was going to like it. And the element of a good story is I wonder what's going to happen next. And that's there's a lot of that in that cuz there are some some wrenches thrown in that you're like oh this I know how this is going to end. It's that guy's the killer and then all of a sudden you go uh you know hmm so Michael has a question about the new pod mic compared to the SM7B. I am not an audio snob. I am not at all. I can pop this one a little more than the SM7B. For me, and people go, blasphemy. One of the things about the (laughs) SM7B is its warm tone. To me, warm equals muffled. And so I like my S's and T's a little clearer. So I actually like this a little better than the SM7B, but I'm probably going to put it on just for the status symbol to go, look at me. I spent too much money on a microphone. Um, (laughs) I did see a... uh, a thing on uh, the SM7DB, which yeah. went, uh, where they basically put a preamp in it from Bandrew over at Podcastage. That's a great channel on YouTube. And he basically said, if you're wondering, is it just an SM7B with a preamp? Uh, yeah. So you could get an SM7B for 400 and get a Fethead for 80 bucks and save, I don't know, 20 bucks. And it doesn't have the shore thing on the the side and things like that. But that's what they did. They put a preamp into the SM7B. Uh, Larry, you have a what there? Is that an MV7 or an S? Did you also pay too much for a micro? I also paid way too much. And I don't even know if I'm using it on this this broadcast right now. Yeah. Oh, I am? Somehow you came back and I was like, wow, it doesn't sound like he's on the phone. So it'll be fun. Oh, wow. That's awesome. So maybe get me. But no, I'm I'm on a, a 7B right now. There you go. Awesome. Yeah. So, and keep in mind, you, you don't have to have an SM7B. It is fun. It, it is very much the high LPR 40 of, you know, the 2020s, you know, cause everybody bought one cause, cause Leo Laporte had one and then Joe Rogan came on the scene and everybody's like, Oh, well, I, if I get Joe's microphone, by all means, somebody will give me $200,000. I will be super successful. Yeah. And <laughs> so far that's, well, that's not working. Uh, negative. Yeah. I, I bought my PR40 because of uh, Cliff Ravenscraft. You know, oh, Cliff you was, uh, when I started podcasting back in 2014, I think his videos were probably some of the first ones that I stumbled across. And he had his whole podcast answer man package. And uh, yeah, I was I was in it to win it with Mr. Uh, Mr. Ravenscraft there. Yeah. Um, and then Tim is saying, see, this is, this is the mic I don't have that I was actually thinking about this morning. The RE320. No, I was thinking about an RE20. I actually love my RE320. That's my favorite mic. Why I'm not using it, who knows. Um, But people said I sounded a little harsh. He sounds a little harsh because, again, I like my S's and T's, which I thought about it later. That may just be old rock guy that maybe that part of my ears don't function as well. And so I boost the, the S's and T's, the treble, because my treble is not as, you know, receptive as it used to be. Um, the Q9U is an interesting mic as well. I've heard that. I, I, I'm just not, I'm not a microphone guy. Cause to me, I'm like, I can make any microphone sound like any microphone with in post. So what it really boils down to is, do you like the sound of your voice when you're doing it? And if you don't, I get that. Cause I know when I play, when I go down and play at PodFest and they go here, play this guitar. And it's like, and I'm like, oh, that is not the sound <laughs> I'm used to playing through. And it affects how I play. Uh, Larry, do you have a, a a favorite for travel? Best travel? For travel. Man, you know, I just take like an Audio-Technica. I, I really, uh, you know, a, a Samsung Q2U or an Audio-Technica yeah. 2100X. 
those are typically my travel mics because A, they're inexpensive and B, they sound fine for that type of environment. Yeah. Now, if you're really going to beat the snot out of it, then get a Shure SM58 because those are the ones I used in bands and just saw them get... My favorite is you'd be singing backup. Somebody would come by, hit the mic stand, and that thing just whack right into the ground. Just get a big old dent on the uh, the windscreen and you pick it up and you're like, it's still working great. Okay. So there, there are videos <laughs> of people that have like run over an SM58 with their car and it still works. So they're very, very durable. And then you just buy a new windscreen and it looks like new. But the the total rock look is... Even even more than the band standing in front of a a brick wall because that's like that's just standard is you know somebody singing into a SM58 with a dent that's like just like <laughs> there you go it's very almost like, but now that has the same form factor though right yeah yeah so yeah, it, you yeah. know it's it's it's, uh, it's a great mic I have one probably dented in a I I have my old what's great about it I have this old toolkit with cables and stuff from when I played in a band and if I open the lid and go it's like mm, bar just like mom used the to road it just, it just smells like <laughs> smoke and beer and it's like ugh so that's always fun yeah but the other one is the Audio Technica ATR. 2100X. And now the the advantage of the 2100X, which I have one right here, is it's USB-C, where the Q2U is USB old, whatever the one was. And now if you, with phones now going to USB-C on the iPhone side, in theory, uh, I'll be able to take a USB-C to USB-C cable and just plug it right into my phone. So if I'm on the road, all I need is a cable and hit record on my phone and you're good to go. That's, that has been tested. Rob Walsh from Libsyn tested that on an iPad and it worked. Um, it didn't work on like, if you went from, if you bought one of those connectors, it was like USB-C to um, lightning somehow, you know, until the Apple, I'm sure version comes out, that's $30 for a, you know, four inch cable. That's, that's not working right now. But if you go USB-C to USB-C, you're, you're good to go. So Excellent. Larry, are you out on the road again or what's what's coming up in the land? Of uh, actually, yes. I leave, uh, what is it, Tuesday morning to go to speak at the eWomen's Network Speakonomics Conference in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, then from there, I head to Tampa to speak at Entrepreneur Organization's Nerve event. It's their big East Coast yearly event that they have there. So those are my next two weeks. That's what they're looking like. Fun. And then if people want to hear your, your uh, podcast again, that website is? Listen to branded.com. And then the redhatmedia.io is where you can find Larry if you need help with your show or need help with ChatGPT or whatever it is. Find Larry over there. Thanks, buddy, for uh, you. You've been through quite a day already. So. Yeah, I'm going back to bed. This has been a rough one. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what's, if you if you ever figure out if it was me or you or what was going on today, but uh, I'm glad you took the time because I was uh, it was funny. We were at this event. And I'm like, Larry, I want to have you on a show, but I need you for about four hours because there's so much we could talk about with ChatGPT. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. I got 90 minutes this Saturday because Jim isn't in. So on short notice, you're like, yeah, man, I'll do it. So thanks so much for that. Uh, again, we're here every Saturday. Jim will be back next Saturday. Askthepodcastcoach.com slash live. And I got nothing on my calendar besides Pod Indie, And that's in November. So that's a, a new event from Dr. Brad Miller from Cancer and Comedy. Oh. 
Yeah, yeah that's going to be awesome. I forgot about that one. That's I'm, I need to probably make an appearance there. I love Dr. Brad. Yeah, so. it's, uh, it's new. This is the first year for it. And he said, hey, can you come over and do a workshop? And I'm like, twist my arm, I guess, if I have to talk about podcasting, you know. I will do that. But uh, thanks again to the chat room. Thanks to uh, Mark over at podcastbranding.co and Dan at basedonatruestorypodcast.com. And of course, if you need help with your podcast, check me out at schoolofpodcasting.com. And this is where I learned, Larry, that I am awful at talking up a record because I got another quarter of a pie that the music's going to play. And I'm just not in the mood to dance. But uh, I will say (laughs) thank you again. And... uh, I'm going to go buy a green hat now just to be in competition. I'll be the green hat. There you go. We'll be like Christmas. Awesome. I love it. Like and subscribe and ring the bell if you're on YouTube. And uh, we'll see you next week with another episode of Ask the Podcast Coach. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.